Hello, hello everyone. It's Gabrielle from A Step Ahead Tutoring Services. Welcome to the eighth episode of Hot Topics, where we talk real talk about things that are happening in education, employment, physical health, mental health, finance, everything, or anything, anything or everything that is that's steamy. So today our topic is about grief and how to deal with grief. And I have a guest with me today who is going to help me with this discussion. Her name is Jackie Williams, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. So Jackie Williams is the owner of 360 Grief Support Services, which is a virtual grief support service, which we'll talk about a little bit later. She earned her bachelor's in psychology from the University of Maryland, University College. She then became a certified birth and bereavement doula and began facilitating a Facebook support group for grieving parents. She then went on to earn her master's of art in counseling, which is crisis response and trauma from Liberty University. Then she earned her certification as a grief counseling support specialist. After completing her master's program, Jackie launched her company, 360 Grief Support Services. So welcome to Hot Topics, Jackie. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Of course, of course. So, mm, excuse me. So when we met, um, you told me a, a, a very wonderful and uh, courageous story. And I wanted to have you share your story with our viewers. Uh, so if you wouldn't mind, please share your story. Sure. Well, grief has you know, unfortunately been a bulk of my life. I've experienced grief starting from a very young age. Uh, it started back when I had my first child. And when I had my first child, uh, she passed away at five months old. Now, during that time, uh, especially in the African-American community, we did not discuss our feelings or our emotions or the pain. So when my daughter passed away, unfortunately, I had to endure and hold in the pain and the grief that I was feeling due to her loss because I couldn't talk to my mom about it. Um, I couldn't talk to anyone else in the family about it because the motto was what happens in the house stays in the house. So there was no um, inkling or indication of me going to speak with a professional about my grief and what I was feeling. Um, what is so interesting about that is my mom also lost a child. And so I knew she knew what I was going through. And unfortunately, she didn't feel like, I guess she didn't feel like she could support me in that way and, and listen to what I had to say about how I was feeling. It was just pushed under the rug. It happened. I know it hurts. Now life goes on. Um, when my daughter passed away, um, I thought that was a pain that I would never, ever get over. And I certainly didn't want to experience that pain again. But unfortunately, I did. Um, I did because I had twins um, just two years later. And I found out in my eighth month that my son, I was expecting a son and a daughter. So I was excited, you know, to have a son. 
Um, and then I would also have my daughter. Of course, I know that the daughter that I was carrying there in no way she could replace the daughter that I lost, but I was excited for to have a girl and a boy at the same time. So at my eighth month checkup, when they went to check for the heartbeats of the babies, they could only hear one. And so they took me in for a sonogram and um, no heartbeat. They did more testing, no heartbeat. They didn't then told me my son had passed away. And this brought on a whole new mix of emotions because I'm still grieving the loss of my first daughter. Now I'm pregnant with two babies. One is deceased and one is living. So on one hand, I felt guilty if I felt sad. And then I felt guilty if I felt joy about having at least one living child. So I had to carry both of them until my daughter was, um, her lungs were mature enough uh, for her to be delivered. So on top of dealing with the grief, I was dealing with other things such as um, self-conscious about carrying, walking around with a deceased baby inside of me. I didn't know how that would impact me. I didn't know if other people would be able to um, determine that, you know, I'm something's not right about me. But I had to carry both of those babies inside of me until my daughter's lung was more mature. There is nothing more painful than to bury your child. Because in life, we think that it should be the child burying the parents first, that that's the normal life cycle. So to experience something outside of that, I, I couldn't process it well. I could not process it. So here I am, I'm a young person still in my 20s, and I have experienced and buried two children. Still, no support to speak to anyone about what I was feeling. I had to hold it inside and deal with it the best way I knew possible as being a young person. I carried this pain inside for a very long time. And what I will say is that when you are dealing with these type of emotions, if you do not express them verbally, you're going to express them in other ways, in your behavior, in your thinking, um, in your living it's going to be expressed some way. And those things are unhealthy ways, but um, I'm thankful that many years later, I did get help. But before that, I had two deceased children that I buried. I had one living daughter. I was blessed to get pregnant again. I was very scared very, very nervous. And I felt like it was going to happen again. So I walked around with this uh, pregnant this time and just in fear that I was going to lose my baby. And I'm so thankful that I did not. But what happened with that is my daughters that I have living, I became what was called a helicopter mom. That's what I call it because I hovered around them all the time. I couldn't even sleep at night because I wanted to go and check and make sure that they were still breathing. I would sit and look at their chest to see if their chests were moving up and down. And I think I had that phobia because with my first daughter, she actually 
died laying right beside me. So I wanted to sit there. I wanted to look at them to see if they were breathing. Um, I did that for a few months. And in my mind, I felt that if they got past the five-month marker, and the five-month marker referenced my first daughter, she died at five months. So I felt that if they got past the five-month marker, then they were going to be okay. And once they got past that, I, I felt that it was okay. But me, I wasn't okay. I still had not faced or dealt with the grief that I was experiencing. It didn't go anywhere because I had more healthy children. It did not vanish at all. It was still internally eating me up because I did not express it to anyone. So one day I decided that I didn't want to live anymore because I couldn't talk to anyone about it. My family didn't, they were not there to support me in the way that I needed because of this phobia, especially in the African-American community. You don't go and talk to a stranger about your problems or about what you're feeling. No, you keep that in. You're tough. You, you stick it out. And that's what I thought I was supposed to do until I got to the breaking point. And that breaking point is I didn't want to live anymore. So I decided that I wanted to take the way out of taking some pills. And I was just going to end it. And I, I sat in my room, in a dark room one day, and I said, this is the way I'm going to end it. I told my daughters, okay, this is what you need to do. This is how you pay your bills. This is, I was getting them prepared at a very young age, they didn't understand at all. And at that very same place, that dark room, something spoke to me and said, get help, get help, go and talk to somebody. But I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed to talk to someone. Where, where do you even start when you go and talk to someone about what you're feeling? But I made the phone call and I went and I talked to a talk specialist and it changed my life. It really changed my life. Once I had a few sessions with her, those internal boulders that I was carrying inside started to drop off. I wasn't feeling so heavy. My grief wasn't dictating my life. I was starting to turn things around and to take back control of Jackie and do what I needed to do in order to take care of my daughters. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. That's a very powerful, powerful story. So, when you started talking, I noticed a lot of different emotions that you discussed. You discussed feeling helpless. You discussed being alone and fearful. I'm sure you were anxious. Um, a lot of different feelings that I picked up from you. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Yes, absolutely. Um, I definitely feel anxious about having another child and if that child should survive. Sadness was just overwhelming. I felt overwhelmed with sadness. In addition to that sadness, I felt isolated. Although I had my family, you know, with me, um, the kid's father. I wasn't alone as far as being around people, but emotionally, I was isolated. I was isolated because I could not talk about 
what I was feeling. I was scared. I was scared pretty much about what will happen to me or will I have another child and something happens to that child. I was scared to go around other people who had babies because one, I didn't want to have an outburst and start to cry when I see someone else's newborn baby. I, I was scared to go around other, other people. So I did, I stayed in the house a lot because I just didn't want to experience that. And I didn't want to embarrass myself or embarrass anyone else. So that the internal fear, all of those emotions that I had to hold in, it was, it was just tearing me down bit by bit. I couldn't even think properly. Um, I couldn't even, I, I could work. I could work. I can, I was, I was more, I could function because I had to work in order to take care of myself and the, my two daughters, but I had no ambition. I had no drive. I just, I just didn't care pretty much because I was so hurt inside. I was, I felt like I was, I was missing, I was missing my children so much, even though I had two wonderful babies, but I was still missing those babies. So that made me just sad all the time. Then there is anger. So it's like, well, Jackie, why are you feeling angry? Right? I felt angry because I'm asking God, how can you let this happen? How can you let me go through so much pain? How could you take my children when they just got here? I hadn't had the opportunity to um, spend time with them, see them grow up, uh, see them go through school and you know, get married, go to college, have their own children. I couldn't experience that. So I was angry. I was very angry at God. And um, I just, I was just in disbelief that someone that I grew up knowing loves me so much would hurt me so bad. And it, it took me some time to really get past that particular emotion and understand that it wasn't to punish me. But what I do believe is that those things that I went through was an experience for something coming down the line. But I didn't know what it was until 2017. And so in 2017, my daughter had a son. Well, she became pregnant with her son. And um, we were excited that she was going to have a baby. And um, she was probably like in, maybe, I think, in her seventh month. And I got a phone call. She was screaming. She was at the hospital. Her baby had died. And she was just, she was just unconsolable about the loss of her baby. And at that very moment is when I said, this is what I've been preparing for. This is what I've been preparing for. Because at that very moment, I knew exactly how to jump in and support my daughter because there was no way I was gonna let her go through what I went through emotionally um, as far as feeling isolated and not supported and not having anyone to talk to. No way, I would not do that to her. So I instantly, I, I some day, some days now I sit back and I think about it and I'm like, how did I, how did I do that? How did I do it? But I instantly jumped in, and I knew exactly what to do in order to help her through having to plan a funeral for her son. 
and bury her son. And then talk about those emotions, the things that she was feeling, letting her cry, letting her scream, and then also letting her know that it is okay to go and get counseling. There's nothing wrong with that. That was the number number two thing I wanted her to know. Number one, I wanted her to know that I was there for her. But number two, I wanted to make sure that she knew that it's okay to get counseling. Awesome, awesome. So it's like you had like back-to-back traumas that happened so you had your your first child who died and then two years later you had a second child who died mm -hmm. and then and then skip like 20 years 20 years or so later you had a grandchild who died and then you just said in the beginning that your mom lost someone. So you had a sibling who died. So that's that's a lot of death. Mm -hmm. I mean, to put it simply, you know, what's mm -hmm. how how do you how do you deal with it? Like, do you do you feel emotions after each one? Do you become numb after a while? Like, what do you do? Well, after losing my my first do my daughter, um, I I can't even I can't describe how I felt. Um, I remember I was in so much pain that I I couldn't even take a bath because I was just so. I was almost zombified, if you will. I was zombified. Um, it was terrible. And then when I lost my son, I was stunned that this could be happening again. Could this really be happening again? Um, hurt. Yeah, I felt pain. I felt hurt. Um, I didn't know what to do. So yeah, I that I was hurt, and I didn't know what to do or how to deal with it. But what I I learned over the years, Gabrielle, is um, as the years went by. Um, when I would hear about someone passing, you know, I would say, oh, that's, you know, that's sad. You know, other family members, you know, passing, oh, that's sad. Um, but what I learned is to also strengthen my faith. And because I strengthened my faith, it helped me in dealing with death. Um, because a lot of people will say, when you lose someone close, faith kind of goes out the window because you're overwhelmed with pain. So with me, if it wasn't for faith, then I probably would have um, dealt with it much differently. But even, even saying that, many years later, developing my faith, working on myself, getting counseling for myself, when I lost my grandson, it hurt. It absolutely hurt. Did I cry? Absolutely. Because I'm not only, I, I felt like I, I lost my grandson, but I felt like I was losing my daughter in the process because she was crumbling. I could see what she was going through because I had been through that same thing. So I'm hurt by the loss of my grandson, but I'm also hurt by what I'm 
seeing my daughter go through and the pain that she was going through. That, that hurt me really bad as well. But what I've learned is this pain will get a little better over time. It will never go away. It has never gone away. Even today, you know, if I go downstairs and I look at my daughter's picture, I still feel it. But because of my spiritual life, I know that if I do what I'm supposed to do, then I'll see her again. But I also know that she's okay. I know that she's in good hands. And and that that is what helps me and keep me going. And when I feel like I just need to talk to someone about it, the awesome thing is I, I have a husband that I can just sit down and talk to him about it. And I have no shame. <laughs> I don't feel shame about talking about what I feel. That That's a key thing. Awesome, awesome. So you, you brought up something very key, which is faith. And so you obviously have a religious background. So my question to you is, are you still angry at God for what happened? No, mm -mm. not at all. Um, and I say that because as I started, you know, uh, going to church and reading the Bible and just sharing, going to Bible study and sharing with other people, um, I knew that it wasn't his fault. I knew that what I was feeling, he has felt it too. So I knew it wasn't his fault. What I came to realize too is that we all are we're here and at some point we all will go. And some will go much sooner than others. There is no date or time or expiration date, if you will, but it will happen. And unfortunately, it may happen at a very early age. And I know that a lot of the parents that I deal with now, they don't have that uh, comprehension right now because of the pain that they're feeling in the inside. When you're hurting in the inside, you, you just, you don't get it. You don't understand when the pain is so raw. That's what I would call it. When the pain is so raw, you don't have that understanding of any type of, of religion or faith to say, I know one day I'll see my child again. Yes, I'm sad that they're gone, but I know one day I'll see them again. Um, or I'm going through this particular situation. It's, it's some type of test. I call it a test for a testimony that will happen eventually. It's a difficult test. It's a very hard test. But one day, you know, you will, and that's why I tell parents, you will be able to share what you went through because it will help somebody else for sure. So what you went through is a testimony. I, I consider it to be a testimony. It was a hard one. It was a rough one. And I, I, I wish no one would ever have to go through that. But I believe, Gabrielle, if I had not gone through those experiences, I would not have been able to help my daughter when she went through or any of the other parents that I've worked with. Um, there's no way I, I, I would have been just um, emotional mess and would not have been able to help them at all.
that's definitely understandable. So let's so let's go back to the beginning a little bit. So the first child died suddenly. Do you know what the what the condition was? Mm -hmm. um, now, like I said, she um, she was five months old. Um, she came down with a cold, and um, it seemed like the cold didn't get any better. So I took her to the hospital. And they said she had something that was called croups. Now today, I don't know if they still call it croups, but it was a condition where um, your, your um, it was almost like having a, a blockage. And what they told me to do is bring her home, um, run a shower, and the steam would help to open her up to help her breathe better. Um, and so that's what I did. But that night, <clears throat> I was really tired. I was really tired because we had been, you know, running back from this doctor to that doctor, then to the emergency room. And so I put her in the bed with me, like I had said earlier, and I felt something wet. I said, oh my goodness. I've let her diaper get so soiled, you know, that it's coming through the diaper and I felt it. And when I turned her over, I saw that she wasn't breathing. So the, um, the uh, death certificate calls it, uh, they called it bronchler pneumonia, where her esophagus closed up. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. I know that's, that's a lot to, to bring up. So now <clears throat> the second child that passed away, what was, what was his condition? I don't know. We never found out why. He was so small. I did not want them to be doing any type of autopsy on his little body. You know, he was at the time of death, he was only about three pounds and my daughter was four pounds. So I just, I didn't want them cutting on him or anything like that. So um, I didn't find out why. The doctors didn't tell you why? Mm-mm, mm-mm. And you know, back there, back then, um, I didn't know the questions to ask, number one. Number two, I was in so much pain, I didn't know, you know, if I should be asking questions. I, I, I just didn't know. And unfortunately, I didn't have the advocate to advocate for me to ask those questions either. Um, whereas today, you know, in this generation, it, it has changed a lot. But back then, no, I just didn't, they didn't tell me. Okay. And now let's skipping forward to your grandchild. Mm -hmm. What was his condition? Um, he was healthy up until the point when um, my daughter was, was uh, in pain and um, went to the emergency room. What they determined is that her, um, what do you call it? Um, the placenta had ruptured. And when it ruptured, that is how he passed away. How, and how is your daughter doing right now? How is she doing today? She is doing much better, but she is still struggling with the loss. Um, she is currently seeking counseling uh, for it. 
um, she had got to the point where she had started using drugs. She had started um, abusing prescription drugs. And um, she's now in counseling, but she's still kind of fragile when it comes to babies. When she, she has said to me that when she goes around and she sees someone else with a new baby or a little child, she gets jealous. She's jealous because she, you know, didn't get to have that same experience. But every day, you know, she tries. She's functioning pretty well, you know, in her life. But I think counseling has been a great help for her. And also, too, knowing that she can come and talk to me about anything. And I have certainly, ex you know, explained my experiences with her as well. So, so your daughter abused drugs as, as a way to cope with the, the sadness and the anger and all those myriad of emotions that, you know, we talked about earlier. And I picked up that she did the same thing you did while you were grieving. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what, what was that like seeing your daughter do what you did? It was hurtful. It was hurtful. And what I knew is that if I did not intervene immediately, it could go real bad, real fast. And um, she didn't want to tell me, you know, she's pretty open with me, right? She, she feels like she can just tell me anything, which she can. Some things I prefer not to know, but she didn't tell me that. But I could tell. I could tell, you know. Um, couldn't keep any money in her pockets. Uh, want to know, uh, always have a pain somewhere where we need a pain pill. Do you have a pain pill because this hurt? Do you have a pain pill because that hurt? Um, do you have some money so I can buy so-and-so and so? And my, my sixth sense said, mm -mm, something's not right here. Something's not right. And we, meaning me and the family, we were going to do what's called an intervention. We were going to sit down and, and, and talk to her about it. And this one night, she um, had bought some pills from somebody off the street. And she took this pill and she fell in her apartment and hit her head. Thank God it didn't hit in the temple. It hit, you know, near the ear. And she just had a scratch on her ear. But she was out um, a couple of minutes. And we didn't know anything about it. So I think that was really the straw that told her, I need help. And so that's when she said, this is what happened. This is what I've been doing, and I need to get some help. No judgment at all in what she did. I, I think that was so important not to judge her because judging her would just make her go the other way. But what I did was give her that support that she needed to go and get the help that she, she so much desired to get. So when you say give her support, what, what exactly did you do? What was so important is to let her know that I don't judge her about what she did. To also let her know, one, that I love her and let her know that I'm right beside you and what you need to do. Also, support was holding her accountable. And when I say holding her accountable, 
when you say that you're going to make the appointment, I'm going to hold you accountable to make the appointment. So she had to report back to me to tell me when she made the appointment. I didn't want to, you know, be that helicopter mom to go and make the appointment for her and do all of that because that was her responsibility. I didn't want to take control of that. However, I thought it was important that she follow up with me to let me know what was going on. And because I showed that interest in her getting help, that gave her more of a boost also to get it done because she saw that my mom wants me to get this done too. My mom wants to see me healthy, so I need to do it for her too. But I wanted her to know that it's important to get the help. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Come and talk to me anytime that you need to. But I want you to get the counseling and I want you to stay with it and do what you're supposed to do. And so far she has. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So now you, you brought up, you have a second daughter. So where, how is your second daughter dealing? How did your second daughter deal with her sisters, her sisters, well, I guess the nephews mm -hmm. passing, how did she deal with that? Um, she was, she was right there with her. They've always been very close. They're very close. So she was right there with her, right from the very beginning. Um, stuck by her, what do you need? What can I do for you? Uh, showing, you know, that sibling support that she really needed at that time. Um, not, you know, showing any type of judgment or showing any type of jealousy that I'm showing all of this attention to her sister and maybe not as much to her. But I think she understood the situation that we were dealing with, you know, in the death of her nephew. So she was right there with her sister from the beginning. Was she hurt? Did she cry? Was she emotional? Absolutely because it, it, it definitely hurt her too. And I imagine so, you know, that's, you know, death affects not just the one person, but it affects the people around that one person. So, mm -hmm. um, so it's more than one person can feel the same grief. So, you know, I, I imagine, I imagine your second daughter was feeling sad and overwhelmed and, and helpless as well. So I want to, there's another key thing that I picked up that you said earlier, and you said that your mom wasn't as emotionally supportive as you would have liked. And but when the same thing happened to your daughter, it sounds like you did the exact opposite of what your mom did. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. Um, as I stated before, when my two children passed, my mom wasn't there like I thought she should have been. Um, she was there as far as, you know, do you need something to eat? She was there, you know, to help me with the funeral arrangements. But to sit down and have a conversation with her about what I was feeling inside, how hurt I was, how this death made me feel. No, I could not do that. I could not do that at all. Um, because it was the the mentality was you will get over this you're strong you're good over this i've been through it and i got through it and so you will too and i just expected more 
because she had a child to die. You know, like I had twins, a boy and a girl. She had two boys and one of the boys passed away. And then we had a sister pass away from cancer. So she knew, you know, how, how it felt to have a child die. And I believe she didn't really know how to support me or to even say, sit down, let's talk about it. Tell me what's going on. How can I help you? Because maybe she didn't have that support when she was going through it. So if she didn't know to give that support, then how would she know to actually do it when I needed it? But when my grandson died, I was just the opposite. And that's because I had learned over the years. Yes, I, I grew up in that, in that household where get over it, you'll be okay, you know, keep on pushing, right? But over the years, I, I, maybe I would say I involved and knew that when my grandson died, I had to be just the opposite. I had to jump full-fledged right on it and talk to my daughter and have her talk to me that was so important to talk to me. Yes, we can sit there, we can cry together, but I want her to talk to me and tell me what she was feeling because I didn't want her to hold anything in. And did your daughter do, did she do that? Did she talk to you? Mm -hmm. She certainly did. She would talk to me. Um, now, I, I, what was so important was that I didn't want to pressure her and I didn't want her to feel like I was making her talk to me. I didn't want to rush her, but I wanted her to, I wanted her to know that when she was ready, come and talk to me. So she did come in and talk to me and tell me how much is hurting, how she feels. And then, you know, to tell me about she can't be around other children and how she feels jealous, you know, about being around other children. So she talked to me and she talked to me a lot. And what I think really helped in that aspect is that she knew, yes, I'm her mother, but she also knew of the experiences I had gone through. And I had shared with her how I felt when I went through my experiences. And so she knew and she trusted, that was key. She trusted that my mom knows best and she's gonna help me through this and that I can talk to her. She will not make me feel bad or judge me because of what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling. You know, she came to me and said, I hate God. I hate God. You know, he's terrible, that sort of thing. I wouldn't judge her about that. I wouldn't judge her. I would talk to her about it and ask her, you know, tell me why but I wouldn't judge her about it. So she knew that I wouldn't judge her about anything that she had to say. So she felt very open and talking to me. Awesome, awesome. And you provided that listening ear for her, definitely in her time of need. Mm -hmm. As you, you, as you learned to do, because you didn't get that listening ear and, and it took your own initiative to seek a therapist. But when it came to your daughter, you decided to sort of be that therapist for her in the interim until, until it was her time to find her own initiative to seek a counselor. Yeah, I, I was that listening ear that she needed, not 
you know, I mean, that active listening ear, um, someone who was going to listen to what she said and not um, try to change her mind in what she was feeling, um, but to actually listen and not feel like um, she had to be fixed. I had to fix her emotions or make her feel differently or try and take away the pain. I know I couldn't do that. So there was no need even trying to do that, but it was solely just to listen. Awesome, awesome. So now one last thing I wanted to point out, you said that these, these feelings of to to grieve is not typical in the African American community, or it wasn't typical back then when your first child died. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Because I mean that delves into you know mental health as seen in the Black communities. Do you mind going mm -hmm. into that a little bit? Sure. Um. Back then, and when I say back then, I'm talking about the late 70s, early 80s. Um, in the Black community, it was, um, in, my, in my experience, it was, if you felt, you know, like you were having, you had some type of emotional uh, disturbances, um, or you felt, um, you know, not like yourself or you felt like you were going through anything. Um, you talk to it in, in the house. You talk about it in the house. You don't go and tell your neighbor. You don't tell the school. Uh, you, tell, you don't tell your friends. You leave it at home because what I have always learned is it was a taboo in the Black community to go and get counseling. And actually, what I really learned is that it was only done by white people, that only white people go and get counseling. Black people didn't do that. We, we dealt with it at home. And so that's how it happened in my family, down the generations, not only in my household, but my cousin's household and, you know, my aunt's household. Um, that's how you dealt with any type of emotions that you were feeling. If you felt that you want to act out, you want to commit suicide, you know, the, the thing was, stop acting crazy. You're not crazy. Don't do that. Stop talking like that. Go sit down somewhere. You're not crazy. <laughs> um, that, that's all we knew. So it's like, okay, well, maybe I'm not crazy. Maybe I'm crazy. I, I don't know. You know, so it, that's the only way we knew how to deal with it. But you certainly did not tell anyone at school you you better not go and tell a white person how you felt because that was just a no-no in my household. But I feel that it also became a generational thing because I can only imagine in the 60s when I was born, I don't think my mother would have went to a counselor when my uh, when she experienced the death of her children. There was no mention of going to see a counselor, even though I know she had a social worker. That was probably the closest that she got to a counselor, and she wasn't going to talk to her about what she was feeling. She held it in, and see. <clears throat> Just like with my daughter, 
she became addicted to these pain pills. I wanted to take pain, uh, take pills to end my life. My mother became addicted to drugs. So I believe that was her way of dealing with the death of her children. She, there was no going to talk to a professional about what she was feeling in our community at all. Again, it was, it was said and taught that only white people go and seek counseling. And how do you think things are today in terms of Black people and mental health? I think um, we have changed by leaps and bounds, but there is still a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do, because even today, I do believe and I do see where Black people um, feel that they should not go and talk to a stranger about how they're feeling. And so as a result, they're holding that in. I see that today. I definitely see that today. We've, we've come a long way. You know, we may entertain it. If you bring it up, we may entertain it. But there is something there's something that's holding us back from actually beginning, moving forward, taking that first step. And what that is, I don't know. Is it pride? Is it shame? Is it fear? Is it all of the above? Maybe, I'm not sure but there's still a lot of work to be done in education and letting people know that if you are feeling, if you are dealing with grief, it is highly advisable to seek counseling to deal with that grief because it could, dealing with grief can go in so many uh, different ways. It can be go a healthy way or it can be an unhealthy way. And that unhealthy way, this just trickles down and you just don't want to see that. You don't want to see another person committing suicide. You don't want to see another person addicted to drugs. You don't want to see another Black female um, going out here and just prostituting themselves because this is the way that they're dealing with their emotions. This is the way that they're doing it or getting addicted to drugs. You just don't want to see it. So it's just, it's really important that people understand, Black people understand it's okay to get counseling because there are counselors out there, um, therapists, specialists that will, you know, understand what you're going through, not judge you for what you're saying or what you're thinking or what you're feeling. And that can actually walk with you through that journey as you try to heal emotionally. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we're just about to wrap up. I know we're having so much fun. Um, so what advice do you have for people watching right now who may be going through um, going through a loss or maybe know someone who's going through a loss, you know, whether that's bereavement or I know there's many different types of loss. Mm -hmm. So what, what is your advice for, for our viewers? My number one advice would be to be patient with yourself. Um, understand that going through any type of loss, whether it's the loss of a loved one, um, the loss of a job, the loss of a friendship, 
it is a loss and you are entitled to feel the way that you do. You, you are entitled to feel that pain or that emotion that you are feeling. It is okay. And no one should be made to feel that it's not okay to feel the way that you do. But what is really important is to talk about what you're dealing with. You may not want to initially, and it may take you a moment to actually take that step. But what is so imperative is to actually take that first step and talk to someone um, who will actually listen to what you're going through. Because I guarantee once you start to talk about it and express what you're going through, you're going to feel some of that burden and that loss and that pain lift. What I, what I call, what I, how I see this is, you know, we have loss and, and grief. And that loss and grief, if we don't address it, it rules our life. It will rule our life in all directions. It will impact you um, not only emotionally, it will impact you physically as far as your health, heart disease, high blood pressure, and the list goes on. But also it will impact you as far as uh, your professional life and your relationships, future relationships. So that's why it's so important to seek help, to talk to someone um, about what you're feeling. It's not that you're going there to be fixed. It's to actually connect with someone that you can develop a rapport with and a relationship with, who will listen to you, who will not judge you, and walk with you through that journey that you're going through. Awesome. That is absolutely fantastic advice. Thank you so much for sharing and thank you so much for sharing your story. And I, I just know that your story is very impactful and I'm sure that the people watching right now um, feel a sense of relief that, you know, you're out there talking about it and you're not keeping it to yourself. So you're doing the opposite of what you had to deal with. And you saw, you saw that generational issue of keeping things inside, you know, mm -hmm. particularly in the, in the Black community, and you decided to, to combat that, you, to, to, to go against it, because you knew that it's not right. So what you did is a, is a shining example of um, seeking mental health treatment in, in time of need and, and particularly for, for people of color. So I commend you for what you've done. Thank you. And, and I commend you for turning your, your, trying to find the word, your, your pain and your experience into uh, a vehicle to, to help other people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And speaking of which, so she has her business called 360 Grief Support Services, and it is a virtual business that services the grieving population. So they focus on all types of grief, such as child loss, primary, anticipatory, disenfranchised, vicarious, and so much more. They also work with clients dealing with a non-death loss, such as losing a relationship, a job, divorce, you're an empty nester, and so much more. So when someone is faced with a loss, walking that grief journey alone can be fearful and lonely. Holding in those thoughts and feelings can lead to unhealthy mental health concerns, such as such as depression, complex grief, anxiety, and even PTSD. And it could also have a significant impact on family relationships, friendships, work, and social life. So for more information on Jackie's Grief Support Services, 
You can find her online at www.360griefsupport.com. So that's the number three, the number six, and the number zero. So all of this will be provided to you guys in the bio. And you can also find her on Facebook and Instagram. So Ms. Jackie, thank you for joining us for Hot Topics. And thank you to the viewers for joining us today. Please check out our YouTube channel for more videos and clips and don't forget to subscribe. You can also find a Step Ahead Tutoring Services on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So tune in next time, signing off.